Welcome to the Incomplete Podcast, hosted by Kelly. As if a defense can predict you, a defense can defend you. All I received was a meme of Forrest Gump that said, I may not be a smart man, but I know John Elway is GOAT. In time, you could see that he's clearly interfering with them. He's grabbing a hold of his jersey. He's, you can even see him tugging on it as fans trying to catch the ball. If you saw me right now, if you and I came face to face, hands are gonna be because no one messes with my Broncos. Strap up and protect those chains. They will have the opposing passes go. Well, Broncos country, the season is over. Mercifully, it's over. And there's not much to say. Seven and ten. There's. It was just in the fifth straight losing season, and the third one under Fangio. And George Payton did say it was playoffs or bust. And Kelly, it was a bust. So Fangio was ultimately let go. A decision I agree with. Oh, yeah. I think we all can agree with it, especially with how the last few weeks went. No, I have some followers on Twitter who tell me all the time, you know, it's no good to keep firing coaches. Coaches aren't going to come work for us if they know they only have two or three years for success. Um, that this is an awful mistake is their take. That he should be given yet another chance that since he was never given a quarterback, what did we expect from him? So not all of Marcus country agrees. That we aren't letting someone that went 19 and 29 <laughs> try again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> My mistake. I feel silly. Well, with that voice, Kelly, would you want to introduce our special guest? So all of you have heard me talk many, many times about my youngest son, my fellow football fan, my soldier. So our guest today on the podcast is the one and only Leo. Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you all. (laughs) Nice Uh, to see you again. (laughs) Yeah. It's been a while since Colorado, right? Yeah, it has. Yeah. Almost. I think it's been (laughs) five years now, I believe. Around there. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. Uh, Yeah. We had, for those who don't know, the three of us had our first Broncos home game together back in 2016. The Falcons. Yeah. Against the Falcons, which was. The first start. Pax and Lynch's, yes, Pax and Lynch's first start. So all of you that get on me that Pax and Lynch didn't have a chance. Okay. Here are the two people who witnessed that I was going to run on the field and tackle. <laughs> <laughs> so I, bad. I want to see Trevor so bad. That was so sad. Yeah, I think I remember at the during that game, uh, the fans were chanting. Like either chanting Trevor or they're Trevor chanting Simi and Simi. they were chanting we want Trevor. And That's was, right. Yeah, yeah, we want Trevor. I still remember it to this day. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it was at that game where I realized Paxton Lynch isn't it, and sure enough, he was not it. So, fast forward five, almost five and a half years later, here we are. Yeah, uh, talking about that, it came up on Twitter where everyone was upset again. And I've said this many times on this podcast, but again, I specifically remember when Josh Allen was in the draft. And I specifically remember Elway and the scouting crew going to visit him. And I specifically remember everyone going, oh, here we go. It's a tall white guy that L.A. loves. He's going to draft Josh Allen and he's going to be a bust. And then he didn't draft Josh, Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And now everyone, see, Elway couldn't find a quarterback with both hands. No one wanted Josh Allen on my timeline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then the other argument to that is we did have Paxton Lynch at that time who we weren't 100% sure was a best. Right. So why would you take another number uh, first round draft pick on, on quarterback? But, right. and I also argue Broncos country would have never been patient enough to see the turn of Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are even patient now. Yeah. Right. That, we're, that's we're, what we're, I'm saying. Yeah. We're just so addicted to hiring new coaches and then firing them and then getting new quarterbacks with the new coaches. And then whenever they don't work year one, we get upset. Not, um, I don't understand it. I think the same thing's going to, we're going to bring in somebody who everyone's going to think is going to be Drew Locke's aide or whoever we draft probably. And then whenever it doesn't go well, year one Broncos country is just going to turn their back again. And, until something gets done. I think it's a head office right now. That's my strong belief that the past years and stuff is because of the front office, not because of the coach, but it's the ownership that's constantly in jeopardy that no one knows what's really happening. And I think that's just affecting everything. It's like a trickle down effect. Yep. I think that, and with that, it's going to be probably resolved really soon because of the whole lawsuit in the court deciding the right of first refusal which we will actually talk about here in a little bit so hopefully there'll be some results in the next couple months hopefully (laughs) but before we get into all that it has been a couple actually it's been over a week but we did have our final game of the regular season against the Kansas City Chiefs um I don't think we have been as close to beating Kansas city than we were for that game. We actually I think we had the lead halfway through the fourth quarter and then everything went downward from there. And then our O-line was still our O-line and Melvin Gordon got lit up mid handoff and it was a fumble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so sad to watch. We were marching down the field. I was like, Oh, we're actually going to score. And then I saw the chiefs load up that one side. I was like, no, mm-hmm. we're not going to get any yard. And then it was a fumble for a touchdown. I'm like, well, I would have had no yards and just gotten a field goal, but okay. Yeah. Had we, I think if we had scored, we would have been up 28, 20. And I'm pretty sure with how our defense was playing against the chiefs, I think we would have probably at least at least had one more possession to at least kick a game-winning field goal, if not stop the Chiefs and win the game. Yeah. Well, it depends. Our defense, well, a top three defense, 
don't get me wrong, does have this bad pattern of sometimes laying down. Like Kansas City went up and we tied. So we went and so we, 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 but then they lay down again and Kansas City went up. And so we have to tie. Like, I'd really like it not to always come down to one stop at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Like, why are they always so close? Because we don't know how to tackle. <laughs> this is still a thing. There's that one touchdown drive where they do like the little bubble screen. And things number 29. I, I don't know what this obsession is with lowering your soldier. Uh, shoulders so low to where you aim for their legs and you don't have your arms open so they make one move and look you're useless now you're on the sideline you're laying down congrats they just got like five extra yards because you don't do this if you just do this you'll ta- I you'll at least get a hand on them but right. whenever you do this look you're you're not this big anymore you're now this I'm not tackling anybody no they're right by me I just, that's just my pet pet. I still hate how our cornerbacks try to do the low hits and they just don't work. I just, that's just my pet peeve. But that's like everywhere. That rant, which is identical to the one that I've done two or three times on this podcast, should remove any doubt that that is my son. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Because I've said that so many times. Why? doesn't the NFL tackle anymore you tackle with your arms and your hands too you don't tackle with your shoulder that's just like spelling disaster for shoulder injuries and just it's not good tack it's it's football 101 yeah to tackle you have to wrap up you actually put more danger to your head because your head's almost the leading force. So you actually put more danger instead of like an arm or something coming forward with you. It's just your head and your shoulder, which could probably like be horrific injury yep. if you aim wrong too. So exactly, I think just that's safer how- with your arms open too. So I-, I think that's how one Broncos corner got hurt was because he performed that tackle, and I'm pretty sure it was like that neck shoulder area that he got hurt in too. Probably, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't doubt it. So I need the defense to go back to peewee football this summer and take a lesson in heads up tackling. <laughs> <laughs> it was also, to me, it was still annoying, even though I've seen only snippets of the NFL because I didn't really have any way to see the actual football game. So I always had to watch highlights. I still hate the fact that chiefs have Tyree kill and that number 17 guy to where all they do is just keep putting them in motion. And all they are, are decoy. They just run back and forth, run back and forth. And you see the defense follow them. And then the running back goes for a little swing play. And then the running backs wide up. I just hate that. It's the same, like three little triple option play they do. And it works every time. And I don't know how, defensive coordinators haven't found a way to stop it yet I, I felt like they did at the beginning of the year and then Mahomes just he I will admit even though I hate the Chiefs Mahomes is a good quarterback that took a lot to say 
but he's really good at just like escaping the pocket. If you let him escape the pocket, he just does random crossbody throws that just work, and it's so annoying to watch. Mm-hmm. He's for the Denver Broncos side. It's so, ah, uh, I hate it. I hate that. I feel like we can contain him, and then he escapes by doing some weird spin move, mm-hmm. and then it's like a thirty-yard gain. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Yeah, in that game, uh, Patrick Mahomes was the Chiefs' leading rusher in that game. So I'm not sure if it was because I mean we did a good. I think we did a decent job of containing him, but when we didn't, he'd burn us. Yeah, it was well also because another thing that I hate about our defense is we stop and watch. Like there's one play that I remember specifically where he had Mahomes. Mahomes was facing him. Mahomes is fast. But he's not going to do some crazy double move. And so all he did was just go that way. But our lineman stops. And because of that sudden stop of momentum, that's when Mahomes cut. And then our dude fell over. I'm like, why are you stopping? It's a free hit at a quarterback. Unless he goes down, then you just jump over him. It's a free. <laughs> Again, that's just me pick like picking apart defenses because I hate that they stop. They see a quarterback running, they stop. And they just let them go by. And I get it. It's because they're scared of a penalty, but I would, I would just take the penalty at this point. I get so annoyed with them getting like ten extra yards because you stopped. I, I'll help pay your fine. I will. <laughs> I remember last year specifically when Sam, when we were playing the Jets, and Sam Donald just walked in, and I think it was one of our safeties had a free hit at him on him, and they didn't take it. So I'm not sure what's all with the sudden. I mean, I know the league is protecting the quarterback, but as long as you know how to tackle a quarterback, you're fine. Yeah. And same way how Drew Locke got to walk in twice because their safeties were scared to hit Drew Locke. And I'm like, just, I don't know. I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy the new safety football. Right. So, but I am glad we got scores off it. So it's it's like a double-edged sword. (laughs) That we did. Um, speaking of Drew Locke, he actually played pretty well. Um, he didn't throw for a lot, but it was pretty much his legs that kept us in the game for the most part. You want to hop in on that, Mom? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> as soon as I compliment Drew Locke, my mentions go insane calling me a Drew Locke lover and that I'm delusional and everyone knows that Drew Locke cannot play in the NFL and he he had a good stretch of games. We were out Teddy Bridgewater. We had he had a good stretch of games. He played quite well. Mm-hmm. Period. That's I mean, that's it. He, you know, you can come with some stats. Well, he didn't convert as many third downs as Teddy. He didn't play as many games as Teddy. Mm-hmm. And even if you do percentages, three of eight is different than uh 13 out of 18. Like you get a different percentage, period. That's just how that works. Um, so, you know, or 23 out of 18 is, is different. So again, I think the Broncos dropped the ball in his development and that is an issue with the Broncos and, you know, I don't think your luck will ever be a success in Denver unless we, we concentrate on bringing in a staff that believes in developing players. 
And you, I wouldn't have played. Vic Fangio and his absolute hate and disregard of Drew Locke as someone on his team. You know, Vic chose to die on the hill that is Teddy Bridgewater. And the good, because he's dead. The hill, he's dead. That's the hill he chose to die on. Now he's dead. Broncos are still there. So, and the parting shot that Vic took against all the quarterbacks on the Broncos roster, uh-huh. I, I lost all respect for Vic. That's fair. <clears throat> I don't think Teddy did that bad. I, I prefer Teddy over Drew Locke to maybe like not have that. In my opinion, it's just to let Drew Locke not shoulder as much. But like, especially once Teddy got hurt, I think it was the right call to just let Drew Locke, even if Teddy could play, because there was there was no way we were going to make it in playoffs. There's just no, there was no hope, especially after the Bengals game. Because we decided, even though Javante Williams is a straight up beast and a tank that can carry defenses to stop giving him the ball and give it to Melvin Gordon. I just, I don't, I don't get that whole argument either of whether we should keep splitting with Melvin. Gordon. I think it's pretty clear that Javante deserves it. Don't get me. Melvin Gordon's good, but like, I feel like Javante should get more handoffs. That dude's a killer right there. He, they, it was like the Cowboys games I was watching that I actually got to see in real time while getting my hair cut. And that dude like carry like the whole defensive line. I'm like what? We just have this guy that's just there. Okay, we should probably use him more. But no. And then mom likes to mention the like. I don't know if Javante was in there in that last Chiefs drives if he would have fumbled or not. But Melvin Gordon's guaranteed a fumble, no matter what game. It's it's always one crunch time that Melvin Gordon just coughs up the ball, and that was it. So. Um. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, to give Melvin Gordon a little bit of um, give him a little bit of props, he did play well. But I do agree that at least in his two years with Denver up to this point, there's been at least one game, maybe even two, every season where he does fumble the ball at very crucial times. But I talked to Kelly and I said that I don't think that was all Melvin Gordon because I'm pretty sure like 9.9 times out of 10, if you're getting hit right as you get the ball, there's no, no running backs can be able to hold onto that football unless you're like a fullback basically. Um, so I kind of, chol- yeah, that's why I said too, but then I thought about, I thought about what my mom said actually, but if you guys want to blame that on the O-line, where's Drew Locke's like, leeway then whenever Drew Locke is trying to run for his life because he knows if he stays in that pocket one more second, he's about to get lit up and probably fumble it. So it, it goes back to where I think we just have a bad O-line. And so, yeah. But I, I do mainly agree, yeah. Mid-handoff, it was probably just going to be a fumble. And Fant has had blocking issues all season. And it was Fant's block, and it was missed again. So Fant has missed quite a few blocks this season. If he hasn't missed the block, he's been called for holding. But again, if we're going to use Fant as a blocking tight end, which is fine, it's, it's you know, there are, there are blocking tight ends and there are non-blocking tight ends. 
um, in the pattern of Shannon Sharp, who refers to himself as a princess tight end. Non-blocking tight ends are called princesses. So I don't know if Font, Fant, was a princess tight end before he came into the NFL. I don't remember him having a lot of blocking before this year because I don't remember a lot of calls on him. I don't remember people going, oh, it was um, Fant that missed that block. That seems to be a this year thing. But again, if we're going to ask him to change his game and start blocking and being a blocking tight end, that takes coaching and player development. Right? Like, I would love to say everybody in the NFL knows how to block. But if it's not been your job, you don't know how to block. Right. So that's just that's just how life works. And any job in that. I don't care if you're the best chef in the world. If it hasn't been your job for a long time to do prep, then you're not in sync with the entire prep line. Mm-hmm. Right? So if he hasn't been coaching, if he hasn't been blocking, that's back on the coaches to not take him aside and make sure this is what, you know, these are the rules. Remember, this is what you can do. Remember, this is where your hands go. Mm. Especially after the first like three holding calls in one game that he got. <laughs> like, yep. Where is the where is the surface on the sideline going? Yo, Noah, come get a quick lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fair. So Ray Crockett, Shannon Sharp, you know, a lot of Broncos on Twitter said, no, that was blocking. You can't blame Gordon for that fumble. But at the end of the day, it's always Gordon. (laughs) So it's hard. It's hard to separate that out. So, again, my stance has not changed from the last couple of weeks where I don't mind having a one-two punch at running back. I don't mind one of them going out and being able to get a rest and come in with fresh legs. Um, I think Gordon's, you know, good enough to be number two. Um, But if I have to choose between the two, I'm taking Williams all day. As you should. (laughs) I think for like when it comes to like first and goal, like anything inside the opponent's 10 yard line, you should give it to Javante Williams, especially because he can move. Those, def- those big defensive linemen and push them forward so that way he can at least get somewhat close, if not into the end zone. Melvin Gordon would probably be more between the 20s or on third down situations. At least this is what I've seen throughout all 17 games. Well, he had that one big run too against the Chiefs, which was like really good. It was like a shotgun mm-hmm. hand. And yeah, that fits him better than like, like whenever we were there, almost like it was third and one. I'm like, I think you just give it to Javante there. Right. But yeah, he had, I think it was like a 47 yard run. So yeah, definitely in between the twenties, let Melvin Gordon have it and see what mm-hmm. he can do with it. Especially since there's a lot more open space than if you're just in that tight little uh, red zone area. Yeah. So. There's our suggestion for the new head coach that comes in. Um, One thing I do want to talk about before we move on to everything. So when we went down 28 to 21 and they were the chiefs, not the chiefs, the Broncos were driving and we got to, I think it was the 13 yard line. We decided to kick the field goal. There was a lot of, a lot of discussion on Twitter and there was a lot of discussion after the game between the coaches 
about going for a fourth and nine from the Kansas City 13. Being down 28 to 20, I'm going to open the floor for this. Should the Broncos have gone for it on fourth down? My opinion, no. I think it was the right call to kick the field goal there. What made it the wrong call was how he used his timeouts after. That dude, I don't know how Vic Fangio handles timeouts, but he sucks at it, dude. That dude let it wind down to the two-minute warning. I'm like, what? You think we have a two-minute offense? No. <laughs> we're, we, we're nowhere near that skill level. So that's my opinion. The field goal was a good call. And even I at first was like, mm, but it's fourth and nine. Us getting nine yards and a goal line stand. We're, we'd never been good in goal line stand. So I was like, there's, there's no way we could have made it, in my opinion. But just how he used the timeouts afterwards made the field goal a bad call. If you were going to call timeouts like that, I say just go for it. Right. That's my opinion. Okay. Yeah, you need the points. Mm-hmm. Right. We still needed a touchdown. We needed a touchdown and a field goal. We still need a touchdown and a field goal. How many times have we been down there and scored nothing? <laughs> yeah. So I can't suddenly start screaming, you go for it. You go for it. No, we know. So you never take points off the board. It was a guaranteed three. You still need a touchdown. Yes, it would have been nicer to have a touchdown and then only have to get three. But you, 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 you take the points. You, you have to take the points, especially all the times we've been down there and gotten no points. So, you know, it's a, you want to, you know, I want to be bold in that situation and go, no, we got it. We got it, Casey. We're, we're going to end it here. But, you know, it. Yeah, at the, you, you have to take the points in that. We were just down there and gave up six instead of getting six. Mm-hmm. So how much risk can you really take? Right. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, so granted, let's say they go for it and they score a touchdown. You still have to convert the two-point conversion. And I, I'm reading a stat here that across the 2018-2019 NFL season, teams converted two-point conversion attempts 49.4% of the time. So it's basically only a 50-50 shot. So if you miss it, you still have to get the field goal. Yeah. Well, it was 21-28, right? Yes. Yes. So we wouldn't need to go for two if we wanted to tie it. If we were bold enough oh, and thought our defense right, right, could right. Yeah. Yeah. If our defense was if we were bold enough and be like, no, our defense will stop you with one point above you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be nice though, but I think you would just tie it there if you did score. Right. I, I was completely thinking of like the Chiefs. 29, 20. 21. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason I thought we had the 20 <laughs> points. I'm like, oh, wait. Nope. That's right. We had 21. So, yeah, yeah. we could have just kicked the extra point basically. And it been That's because you're not used to Denver Broncos scoring touchdowns. <laughs> you're used this, to field goal scores. This is the truest fact that has ever been said on this podcast. As noticed, Drew Locke went into Kansas City and got touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Oh no, we weren't in Kansas City. Sorry, but we Drew Locke was scoring touchdowns, mm-hmm. not field goals. Yeah, yeah. So that's probably where that came from. I'm not used to touchdowns. 
<laughs> oh yeah. But I am curious, like, why why do people think we could have made it fourth and nine? Even with like there, us getting stopped there, I there was no hope I had. I was like, what play could you draw up that gets it? Because he was overthrowing Cortland Sutton. They were starting to lock down on Patrick. Noah Fant was kind of irrelevant. Then he only had like how many catches did he have? Two or three, I think. Yeah, I was like, he only had like two or three catches. Javante or Melvin, no, I'm I'm not trusting running the ball after we just gave up for a touchdown there on a turnover of a fumble. So what what play really works there? Against again, Kansas City's secondary, which I hate to say it's pretty decent. So I, I just don't even see what play gets open there. Right. I think another thing that I thought it was the mistake of the coaches was that, okay, we only ran for one down on the first down, but on second down, like, and I know Kelly doesn't like the whole run, run pass about half the time, but I felt like we could have like at least ran it on second down to at least give ourselves. I mean, if anything, if we don't convert on third down, at least if we run what four or five yards, that gives us a fourth and four. And I would be a little bit more confident converting that instead of a fourth and nine. Well, I think at that point, we were more concerned with saving clock, too, in case we did mess up there, too. So I said, I I don't understand the time management we have because I feel like we have good time management. And then when it comes to timeouts, we just we just don't care. We're like, those don't exist. I believe Kelly has been saying since we first started this podcast about (laughs) Big Fangio's time management. So it's it's god awful. It's It's so bad. The mentality of going for it is kind of what I call the gambler's mentality. It's why I'm not a good gambler. If I'm up three hundred dollars and they go, okay, what one thing, 50-50 chance, double or nothing. I am inclined to take my $300 and go home and not fret about, oh my, it could have been $600. i am happy. I'm up. I'm winning. Let me take the sure thing and go home. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, and I, I bet if I look at the people on Twitter going, ah, you have to go for it. Those are all people that also put their betting lines and their bets on Twitter. So, there is a gambler's mentality of we have nothing to lose, right? And everyone tells me that's not really your $300. You really have nothing to lose. You'll come with what you, you'll leave with what you came with. You came with nothing, right? You came with nothing. Mm-hmm. So if you leave with nothing, you haven't really lost anything. And I'm just like, but I could leave having won $300. <laughs> right. So, you know, we have nothing to lose. The only thing we're paying for playing for is pride and the possibility of breaking a 13 game losing streak against the a division rival. So you go for it, you try. And so I can see that where you're not even trying. But in, you know, I'm just not that I I don't have that gambler's mentality where it just, you know, like you hear these stories where well I went in one night and it was a million dollars or nothing. And they get up 700, 800 grand, and then they allow themselves to lose it all because the deal was a million or best. But if I got up 700 grand and started losing, I'd go home. <laughs> Screw a million dollars or best. 
I got 700 grand. What, what are you talking? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm a little short of my goal. I can admit that. We can work on that another day. If I'm up in a casino, 700 grand, I'm taking that 700 grand home. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. No, but so I don't have that mentality of. And then it's just it's just such a momentum killer when you go for it on fourth and don't score. When you're starting to come back and get nothing versus when you're starting to come back and, okay, I only got half of what I thought I needed, but I still have more time. But again, that falls apart because we have a coach that doesn't know how the clock runs, apparently. That's what I was just about to say, too, is that, like, uh, if people were going to say I was contradicting with trusting our defense with us getting three points rather than no points, like you have to think like also football, like mentally as a team, if we came back with nothing and turned it over, our defense is just going to lay down there. There's no way we're like, all right, well, it's Patrick Mahomes. He gets like maybe like two first downs and our defense would just lay like they did. Cause even when we got the three points, our defense just started laying down. Our defense just kind of let them roll over and get a touchdown. And I'm like, well, our defense just said, we don't want to play. And so that's what I would think is that I would rather take the three and give our defense this, Hey, you guys got this. You guys can do it rather than we came away with nothing. We're heavily relying on you and they could just crumble from pressure. That's my personal opinion though. It's like, it's definitely a morale booster thing. And I think going for it while getting the touchdown would have been a huge morale boost and everything. If we did get it, if we lost it, I think it would just come crumbling down. And even the stadium probably would have been maybe silent for a bit. And that probably would have just sunk in to the defense and been like, well, it's kind of over. So that's yeah. just, again, how I see things. Yeah. I mean, we have McManus, so it was guaranteed. I was like, <laughs> we have McManus. That dude just kicks a dead center. So, yeah. I'll just take it. Yeah, definitely. Take the points where you can get them. But speaking of coaching, we can now move on to what's probably going to be one of the bigger stories of our offseason, and that is Big Pangio after Saturday's loss to the Chiefs ended up getting fired the next day. Good. <laughs> what, 19 and 30 in three seasons with Denver. Um, I don't think he was the worst coach had his moments but i agree with whole time management and just not developing players for the most part but george payton said right before the season started it's playoffs or bust and when you don't deliver it just spells the ends and i think fangio is a great defensive mind and i think he will get a defensive coordinator position elsewhere but i don't think he did, i don't think he had it as a head coach. I think we should stop going after defensive coaches. <laughs> like, well, let's get an offensive dude that actually knows offense. So, I I love having a great defense, but it's clear to see defense isn't winning us games right now. We have the top three defense in the league, and we're seven and ten. I <laughs> I want a playoff. I, I want like uh, I was very disappointed whenever we didn't try to bring in Kyle Shanahan. And he went to the Niners. Like, 
I think we need an offensive person because we had Vance Joseph, who was also a defensive mind. And look, it, it was the same results. We're just getting a half big offense that has potential. Don't get me wrong. I think Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, who just came out of nowhere this season, Javante Williams, Noah Fant. These are all guys in Drew Locke that have amazing potential, but we just don't have an offensive mind. We're just such a defense-heavy team that we just ignore offense, I think. And we're just okay with settling for average play of getting 20 points maybe. That's our high-scoring state game is we get 20 points, and it's shocking. And, oh, we got 20 points. We can rely on defense. But it gets tiring as a defender, I think. It gets tiring knowing I have to go out on the field and like uh, Talib said it best whenever we had Trevor at quarterback, even though it hurt my feelings because I think he was taking a dig at Trevor. But he's like, we hold Brady to like 13, 14 points. And you guys can't win? Like that, as a defender, I think, as a Bronco, that must get so annoying. You're holding these good teams to low scores who are meant to scoring like 30, 40 plus, and you're holding them to at least 20s or maybe even below that, and your offense just can't do anything. Yeah, look at the Cincinnati Bengals. We held them to compare the Bengals so we played them to when they had their next game. I think it was against the Ravens. We held them to 15 points, and they had players like Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon. They had Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, all these wide receivers, all these running backs. We held them to 15 points. Next game, they score 40-plus points. So I definitely understand the frustration that our defense has. Like, we're limiting these high-power offenses to less than 20 points, and we can only muster, like, 10. 10, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Vic never righted the ship in us winning close games. Like, this is the first conversation I ever had with Cameron Parker was that I said, you know, it is bad that we, every close game, like, it's great that we're close. But we never come out on top. We never win it. We don't There's have Chibo. Uh, <laughs> which reminds me, my favorite thing yesterday was everybody retreating Tebow, going, this guy still has more playoff wins than Derek. <laughs> than the Raiders overall. Well, no, I mean, the Raiders have three Super Bowl championships, but... Well, I should say, I should say he has more playoff victories than the Raiders in the last however many years, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and again, people upset at me. Oh, you're so happy a man lost his job. Okay. I'm not happy people lose their job. I'm not that vindictive. I'm not that mean. But something has to be fixed. Well, it's not like he's going to be jobless. Well, yeah. And it's not like he's not paid million. It's not like he's one paycheck or to my knowledge, he's not one paycheck away from homelessness. Right. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not being Karen yelling at the um, poor minimum wage worker whose ice cream machine is broke and screaming how they don't get me an ice cream and he needs to lose his job because the ice cream machine is broken. And so now he can't feed his poor one-year-old baby because they can't afford formula and they're going to get evicted. I mean, this is a millionaire (laughs) who was given an opportunity to step up and make more money and he couldn't get the job done. So he's going to go back and hit the league job market going back to what he's good at. Right. So 
I mean, let, let's put it in a little bit of perspective. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But you can't mercy hire people or just let people keep their job at a at a mercy. Oh, well, you know, we don't ever want to fire anybody. So so what the Broncos can just continue losing for three more seasons because he yeah, just because we anything. feel bad. And that's the trademark of his coaching was that he refused to adjust and change. Mm-hmm. So if you're not going to adjust and change, if you're not going to step up, if you're not going to try something different, then you will have to be the one to go. Right. <laughs> I mean, even speaking of Vance, Joe, whenever people felt bad, whenever we fired him, look, he's a defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals. He's in the playoffs. Millions. Yeah. I mean, I mean. (laughs) So it's not like, like you said, it's not like we're saying good. A man lost his job. No, it's this dude had (laughs) three seasons to make something work. And he just, he could it. No, if hands or butts about it. (laughs) He's Peyton said at the beginning playoffs or busts. You didn't get us the playoffs, then pack your bags and you're you're out. Well, um, also, the thing as Bronco fans, we're we're a bit we're a bit entitled to playoffs. I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Especially now that we've just been sucking for so long, they're just like, "Where's our uphill? Where's?" And then I just still think we have such a hasty mentality of trying to get better that we're just going to keep forcing things to work that one day they might work. Like, like I said, I could, they could be listening to this podcast right now and say what Leo said about getting an offensive person as a head coach. Sure. And they go do that. Then our offense is top in the league along with a great defense. Sure. Right. And (laughs) it worked, but like, I still think now we're in another rebuild of coaching. We're in another dilemma of, is this head coach going to believe in Teddy or Drew Locke? If not, who are we going to draft? And whoever we're going to draft, everyone's probably going to say, no, we don't want that guy. And then that guy's going to go to a different team, to the Eagles probably, because Jalen Hurts did not do well today. And, you know, he's going to go over to the Eagles and then perform on the Eagles. And then Broncos are going to, or Bronco country is going to be like, why didn't we pick that guy? Just like with Josh Allen. And I, th- I think it's just going to keep being the same rinse repeat until either. Okay, I think we stay with Drew Locke. I say let's not try to draft a seventh round quarterback that's just going to sit and everyone's going to want to play for whatever reason. And uh, I just think we need a coach that likes Drew Locke. And is willing to work with our offense and be like, the defense is fine. The defensive coaches, I want the defensive coaches to stay. Or yeah, y'all stay. But and then day, we just need someone that's willing to work with our. And like Mom said, with the parting shots that he took at the quarterback, I don't think he believed in them. I think near the end of the season, I think he did not believe in them, and was just the other the timeouts. I honestly think he just wanted to get out of there. <laughs> Like he he did not even look like excited for the game. He just looked upset. I'm like, you don't even I've that's how I feel. I feel like he just kind of gave up near the end of the Kansas City Chiefs game and was like, I'm done with Denver. Oh. 
that's how I saw him on the screen. On the screen, how I saw him, that's what he looked like to me. Well, I think I actually will agree with you on the whole offensive-minded head coach thing because it was the last episode Kelly and I were talking to Zach Seegers talking about do we want offense or defense in mind? And I do think for this Broncos, it is time to get away from defensive defensive-minded head coaches because we've seen coordinators from the Broncos on the defensive side that have panned out pretty well. Kelly's favorite, Wade Phillips, of course. Um, And then Donatel actually this year has done pretty well. So I would like to see the Broncos at least hold on to him, but please, please get an offense. Like, especially if we're going to get a coach on the offensive side, that's not too like pretty, not pretty young, but, like their first head coaching gig. Don't put all the pressure in him handling offense or defense and just have him focus on the offense and the play calling and have his right-hand man for his coordinator and then let Ed Donatel run the defense because he does a pretty good job with it. So, yeah, yeah. We definitely need someone that comes in with that CEO mentality mm-hmm. where I am the boss and I know these things about football, but you you're going to call plays. So you, that's your job. You study film, you figure out where our players need to be. You figure out what plays are going to work. And then this defense, this is a top three defense. You're the coordinator of it. You need to continue that success. And then I will sit here and I will do head coaching things. But yes, we need someone who believes in scoring points. Vic Vangio's whole philosophy was we don't really need to score points. We're just going to hold the ball. And and let the defense not have the other team score. And while it works not having the other team score, when we hold the ball for 12 minutes and 20 plays and then don't get points, it it doesn't win games. And so and then and then that's just what we see. That that is not, you know, I complain all the time. Football scores are now basketball scores. You've got to put an offense on the field that can that it is feasible they're scoring 30 points a game. Right. Now, it doesn't always work. At a, uh, did, did Cincinnati get to 30 yesterday? No, they got to 26. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, but, you know, 24 used to be a really high number in football. Mm-hmm. Now it's nothing. Yep. Now that's just expected. And so you need to be able and have a game plan where, okay, we can at least get 30 points and help the defense out. Because again, defenses are built. Defenses are built for four plays. Uh-huh. It is the offense that is supposed to go and and march and take 10, 15 plays, take a couple minutes off, and in theory, get some points at the end of it. Right. A defense is supposed to come out, hit you in the mouth four times, and, and go sit down. Right. So that that has to start being our game plan. Love it. Well, yeah, I still agree that like defense wins games, right? Like everyone's championships. Yeah. When championships win championships. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But you need an offense too. Like we, we got away with Super Bowl 50 in my opinion. We got away with our limping offense and our defense was just too good that they just kept giving us the ball back and we could keep getting field goals. 
Uh, I love Super Bowl 50, but we got away with a limping offense because Cam Newton was amazing offensively that year. Uh-huh. But then we, our defense came out and said, nope, that's not going to work here. You're not going to be able to run around. And we forced him through. He couldn't throw the ball. And then we won. So I think we got away with them not succeeding and Cam getting in his own head and being frustrated. And we got away with having a weak offense, but a, a stellar defense, like probably the best in history. It rivals out of the Bears. Rivals out of the 94 Bears, right? 94? No. 85. 85. 85, yeah. The Bears are 85. Way wrong there. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I thought 94 Bears. Um. But yeah. Well, yeah. But at the end of the day, even though we are limping down the field, we're at least getting field goals. We're coming away with some points. We are making the the distance a little bit bigger every time and taking the air out of Cam Newton and the offense. And, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again the rest of my life. My favorite clip when they do the highlights is when Luke Keachley and the other guy look at each other and they go, man, they're really good. And they're, they're like surprised. Because they had not played that level of of, and that's a that's a limping offense, and mm-hmm. they were still surprised. Like, oh, how, oh, what happened here? Like they weren't used to that level of competition. So, yeah, you had. I mean, the the guys in the I say this all the time. The guys in the trenches, the O line and the D line, they're they're usually the unsung heroes of the football game. They're down there every play in the dirt, getting dirty you know, doing the, doing the grunt work so that the, 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 you know, flashes can happen. But so we've got to shore up that O-line. It's better, but it's not, it's not perfect. And it can't just all fall on a young quarterback. I don't, you know, if we keep Julak or, I mean, if we can get Russell Wilson, I say, okay, I'm not, I'm not, thrilled about it because at some point we're going to have to draft a quarterback and stay with the quarterback. But, you know, the, the headline came out today that Russell Wilson is going to explore other places. So if we can get Wilson, okay. And if he doesn't cost too much, if he costs too much, I'm going to be That's my fear is that Russell Wilson's going to say, you're a low winning franchise. I need money. If I want to be here, that's my biggest fear. But to me, the perfect game plan, despite all you Jew haters, um, and I'll, I, I will have to deactivate Twitter next next season if this happens, is we put Drew out there with someone who develops him and gets him to grow and do better and, and shore up our O-line because Drew can't be quarterback and O-line coordinator. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 everybody else at me, well, Manning just made the O-line better. You know, the, the quarterback makes the O-line better. Well, in a young quarterback, the O-line has to make the quarterback better. It's a two-way street. Yeah. This is football. It's a team sport. You It can't just go one way, right? Like there are receivers that make quarterbacks look good. And there are quarterbacks that make receivers look good. But and but sometimes but in a game that goes both ways. You have receivers make really hard catches that make the quarterback look good, and you have quarterbacks that make really great throws that make the receiver look good. It's gotta go both ways. And so um 
a couple people have sent me some names to look at in the draft and I'll look at them. But again, I don't really know what I'm, I mean, everyone gives you their highlight reel. So, okay. Yeah. But I get, if that translates to the NFL, I've no clue, but the consensus seems to be there's no one to go draft this year. There's no one worth yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm sorry, all you, all you in NCAA quarterbacks that are like, I play quarterback. I'm pretty good. <laughs> It's not a dig at you. (laughs) That's not me saying it. That's all the analysts and other people that get paid to watch your game saying it. And then me reading that they've said it. So, um, Because I don't know. I mean, and I can't play quarterback. So, um, yeah, I'm more, I mean, first I want, I would like to, in my perfect world, the ownership would get settled before the coaching. Because it's going to be really hard for this lame duck ownership at this point to go make a coaching hire and believe that it's in good faith. Right. So I'd like the ownership to settle. And all I want is a good owner. I don't care who it is. I don't care what camp. I'm not going to get into the debate. Oh, well, you know, Elway has to step away from the Broncos. Elway is never going to step away from the Broncos. Um, because you can't separate them. Elway and the Broncos are, are intertwined forever in history. Um, and he, as, as far as I know, he currently has a job as a pastor. So, <laughs> I mean, this it can't be Elway. Like, okay. Um, and again, neither one has the, the assets to be majority owner. So you're talking about a buy-in of, I would guess, between five to 10%. And 10% is a lot. 10% of 4 billion is a lot. And I don't even know if they have the the assets for that. Because I don't, I mean, I don't know any of their assets. I mean, I they, they don't send me bank statements. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, 10% is 400 million, right? Yes, I think so. Right. And so five is 200 million. So I don't know that they're rolling around where they can put 200. So 5% is 200 million. So I don't know that they're rolling around with assets for 200 million. Checking real quick. I don't think so. Come. Especially yeah, Manning. It's, it's, it is 400 million. Yeah. So 5% is <laughs> 200 million. So they're they're taking a small percentage of ownership if they're taking any of it, mm-hmm. right? Because the NFL is not going to let you mortgage a football team. You have to have the, the liquid cash. So um, I just want a good owner. I don't care who it is. And, and I want someone who's an owner like Bolin. You know, Bolin didn't do a lot of football stuff the first few years. He learned. And that's why when he set up the trust, there were all these requirements and all these things you had to know before he let you take control, even though you were his child, because he knew you you can't just show up and go, hey, I know what a what a skinny post is, so I can I can own a team. Right. And the other owners aren't going to let you the other owners aren't going to let you just be some stupid, you know. I win the championship on Madden mode. <laughs> And I think the owners, right. <laughs> yeah, I think the other owners actually have have to agree upon it as well. Yeah, if I remember yeah. correctly. 
Right. They have to, they, they get to vet all the owners. So I just want an owner. That's a good owner. I, I want an owner like Bolin and not like Con over there in Jacksonville. Oh, please. No. <laughs> so other than that, I've got no dog in the fight. Just, I need a good owner that brings in good leadership that sets the tone and writes the ship because that at the end of the day, that's all I want. And I don't care who is at the end of the day. I don't care who quarter, who the quarterback is. I don't care who the running back is. If we're winning. Yeah. But we're not winning. (laughs) (laughs) And I think just once we get an owner too, it just clears up a lot of the unnecessary stress, probably the GMs and other coaching staff are facing of who's really my boss here. Uh-huh. Who's really like, cause at any who point is going to write the yeah. check. Yeah. Who's, who's going to give me my money. And not only that, like, who do I listen to? Like, if you know that dude's going to get fired in a year, if he's going to give it up like now with the auction. So it's just, I just hope this rebuild is final. It's a final. I'm sick of it. Uh, I've waited, <laughs> you know, a while now. So kind of ready for Good new owner, uh, offensive coach. I want an offensive head coach, like like Kyle Shanahan. And then, honestly, as long as we keep Bill Collar, our defensive line coach, I'll be happy. That dude's amazing. He makes D lineman players good for no reason. Like Shelby Harris just came out of nowhere and blew everyone away. I just Bill Collar's the goat. It's the goat in the defensive coaches yeah keep him and i hope that they could keep um uh who is their mike munchak and zach asani the offensive line and wide receiver coach oh and um their running back coach which gosh i can't remember the name uh like a running back scout whoever the hell is our running back scout is needs a raise right you found philip (laughs) lindsey You found Devontae, but who was good for a while, then fell off, though. Then you found Javante Williams. So I'm like, whoever our running back scout is, keep him. He's good. We find, like, undrafted gyms and running backs. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before we continue on, uh, since you're talking offensive head coach, they did interview Nathan Hackett, the offensive coordinator from the Green Bay Packers, on Saturday. And he seems to be one of the two that are in the early front runnings for the Broncos head coaching job. Aren't we get, aren't there 11 names we're, we're interviewing? Like, he has like 10, 11 names, I think right now. Yeah. So, okay. And we've, I mean, we're, we're going to get an alert on everyone mm-hmm. and everyone's going to seem strong. This is why I don't like interviewing when it was my job <laughs> to sit in on interviews. Whoever was last was fine. Like that. I mean, <laughs> It, it it was really hard to stand out for me. And I'd listen and I'd go, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. they were fine. They were okay. So unless they did something atrocious, I was just like, seems okay. I don't right. know. And, yeah. it, you know, there's a couple people like, because part of the interview was actually to do a day. And if they did something great, I was like, oh, no, yeah, we had that, that one, that one. But um, yeah, so as an interview process, I think, the last person in front of you seems strong. Yeah. And so it's, it's, I'm leery of, oh, there's already two in the front running out of three. Okay. <laughs> there's eight <laughs> more to go. 
great. <laughs> well, in all sense, I'll say in all sense that the only one that we've interviewed that's in the running is Hackett. But there's like, even though that we haven't interviewed the other person, he apparently is the front runner to be our head coach, which is really bizarre because I'd want to, I want them to be able to hear and see what their plans would be with the Broncos before you automatically consider, oh, you know what? We're going to bring you back for a second interview because I'd rather see what they can do first, get through all the interviews and then pick out like a select few to bring them back for a second interview. And then that's where you bring in the hard hitting questions. So the fact that, and his name is Dan Quinn, the Cowboys defensive coordinator. Yes, I know you guys don't want to hire a defensive minded coach. No. But he apparently, according to all Broncos media, he is the front runner right now, even though we have yet to interview him. The the only thing that makes me nervous about the offensive coordinator from Green Bay is it's like Belichick and Brady, right? Mm. Who who did more in that offensive scheme? Was it Aaron Rodgers calling the shots or was it him complaining about the coaching and it was those offensive coordinators calls that made Aaron suffer just for a bit? Even though Aaron, I think Aaron's a bit entitled as well. He He wants to run things his way like Brady does and I just don't think people let him do that. So... See, the funny thing about that is, is Aaron Rodgers, I said is twice. That sounded like an <laughs> echo there. Um, I don't think Nathan Hackett does a whole lot because it's Matt LaFleur is the one that calls the plays. And then Aaron Rodgers, I guess, flips it around. So what can we obtain yeah. from getting Nathan Hackett if he's not the one calling the plays? Yeah, see, that that's what makes me nervous. Like, how much did you influence? Because Green Bay's offense is really great. Don't get me wrong. I love their offense. but how much did you influence that? And you just kind of sat and watched them be good while you did minimum coaching and that was good enough. Yeah. Cause there's such a thing as an over promotion, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like he had, he's skipping a lot of steps to head coach from where he is. And oh, that's yeah. worrisome too, because if you, if you're at this level, of, if you're at level six of responsibility and we're going to shoot you to level 10, You've missed a lot of learning opportunities from level seven, eight, and nine, right? Yeah. And so, like six to eight, maybe would be so bad, and I can maybe swallow six to nine. But there comes a point where it's too big of a dump, right. and then what are you relying on? Exactly. They worked with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's like it. that's his fame to claim is that he works with Aaron Rodgers. Well, and there is something about learning, right? When you're in a when you're in a system that works, mm-hmm. right? You've learned how that system works. And wherever you are in that system, you've seen the big picture and go, okay, this is what we these are the steps we took. But if you I don't know, being the top being the top one on the hierarchy is just so different. Right. And it and in it means more than just yelling a system, right? Because this is this is why I don't think Bella Bella Cheat's coaching tree, Bella Cheat's coaching tree is strong because yeah, they learned a system. Mm -hmm. But when they don't come up that system in the in, in the hierarchy and try to take it somewhere else, 
They don't have all the other things in place to make the system work. Josh McDaniels. <laughs> I was just about to say Josh McDaniels. <laughs> well, but, the, but there's not like, um, I can't think of the name, but there are coaches that have successful coaching trees. Um, Bella Cheat is not one. Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh's Walsh. coaches mm-hmm. have success. He's got a successful coaching tree. If you worked under Bill Walsh and learned under Bill Walsh, you went other places and you were successful. Mm. People that go and started to mine under Bill Belichick for his coaches have mm. all regretted it. Yeah. Josh McDaniels, Bill O'Brien. Matt Patricia. Yeah. Now Brian Flores. Yeah. <laughs> although, although, although the to me the Brian Flores firing was unjust. I thought they shouldn't have done that. But I feel like it was because there was a bit of a rift between him and ownership, from what I understand. Yeah. So it's just so this is the same thing. Is is Green Bay's coaching tree really a good place to go mine? Right. Is there really gold in that mine? That's, that's what scares me about the pa- the Packers is kind of toxic. I think their coaching staff is pretty, especially with Aaron saying you guys suck. Basically, like that's basically what he said at the start of this year. He was just like, "You guys suck," and then that I think that just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Where like, it, let's say Drew Locke wanted to try something, and this he's like, "Well, no, I work with Aaron. It worked with Aaron." or I know better than Aaron did, I'm going to make you do this rather than you try to find your own way. I could see it probably backfiring heavily. And then like uh, Kelly said, with um, that skip, that six to 10 skip, there's going to be moments where he's sitting there and he probably just doesn't know what to call. And like, it'll be like a weird situation that he's never been in before because you're a Bronco now. So you're not used to Packers being able to win. You're going to have games where you're just kind of sitting there like my offense isn't scoring. What Uh do I do here? My defense is fine, but how do I make my offense go and get positive plays? Right. How do we go and at least march down the field? And even if it's just a field goal, how do we march down the field? Right. And that's going to be hard jumping from just being able to just kind of sit there and nitpick things maybe with the Packers to now, you know, you're in charge. You need to call this. Right. Yeah. So like Billy Joe's co- coaching tree has been Al Gro, who I don't even remember. <laughs> um, Nick Saban was so bad. He's back down in college. Yep. Um, Romeo Cornell. Eric Bangini. <laughs> oh yeah. He wasn't great. Jim Schwartz. I don't even remember who that is. Um, I remember the name. Uh, he was Detroit Lions, 2009 to 13, 29, 51 record. Oh, yikes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Josh McDaniels, Bill O'Brien, uh, pa- Matt Patricia, Brian Flores, Joe Judge. Yeah, he just got fired. Yeah. See, that's not a good tree. Well, it's good if they're just with Belichick because Belichick knows how to use them. But I just, well, because he's yeah. the head coach. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm yeah. saying. So <laughs> when you're part of that mind, you know, when you're part of a system, 
you know, if the top of the system works and knows how to adjust so that you're doing the best job that you can do, then the system works. When someone plucks you out of that system and suddenly puts you on top and says, okay, now recreate the system. Mm-hmm. You don't know how all that worked. <laughs> you just did your job. Right. So, yeah, that, that, that would be my only worry about even though he is a part of a good offense, it, it would just scare me with, especially if he's not even the one calling the plays. That that kind of worries me. Right. Um, one name that I would say to listen out for, and we have requested an interview him, is Kellen Moore, the Cowboys offensive coordinator. He's one that actually would not mind him being our head coach. I've gotten a little bit of input from a Cowboys fan who said that he like it's going to really depend on how he develops and goes from the offensive coordinator position to head coach and so I mean what he's done for Dallas has been great but obviously we were able to shut down the Cowboys I was about to say that yeah we kind of shut your offense down dude (laughs) so we'll just see what happens I mean it's like I think he's like you have like the two head coaches you or the two coordinators you want to hire. Then I think Kellen Moore is like probably your plan. Dark horse. B. Dark, yeah, your dark horse. <laughs> so your plan B. Yeah. Is it is it true we're um, interviewing Eric Benemy of the Chiefs? Yes, we are. I would put him in the top because as much as I hate to say this, I'm going to need like no. But Andy Reid has a third most successful coaching tree in NFL history. Yeah. Um, now he has some failures. Mm-hmm. You know, Eagles. Sp- Spagnola. Um, but John Harborough is on that coaching tree with the who's currently with the Ravens. Mm-hmm. John McDermott is on that coaching tree. With the Bills. Yeah. So I would seriously and he's the current offensive coordinator of Patrick Mahomes. And so he believes in scoring points and lots of points a game. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, there's actually. So, another- and he would know Mahomes secrets. He would know some <laughs> insider information of the division rival that we haven't beat for 13 games in a row. And he's, he's seen our defense and know how to beat it. So even if we're going against other strong defenses, just as strong as ours, it's not that much of a worry now because we're with somebody that broke our top three defense a lot and was able to make our defense lie down. And he can come in and be like, oh, no, we're going to do this play and it'll just slowly make them crack. Mm. And he's faced us. He probably knows, like, what's wrong with our offense already. He probably already know. He's probably like, oh, they're not doing this well enough. So. <laughs> He sees us the most. It, it would probably make the most sense for him. And, you know, this is a side note, and it's a little thing to consider, but our defense would get better if our offense was better in practice. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we might pop up from the number three defense in the league to the number two because practice is a little bit harder all of a sudden because, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Eric Lemony, I do want to put in one little more detail, but I want to ask how successful has Mike Shanahan's tree been? 
or where did, what tree did he come from? Because there's one name in particular I'm thinking of that could be a great offensive coordinator or maybe even a head coach if we look that way. I want to say he came from Bill Walsh's tree. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. He did come from Bill Walsh's tree. Uh, um, so- hold on. Um, I got to look it up. Okay. I mean, because his son came from, Kyle came from Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me see his coaching tree. Oh. Uh, well, I'll say speak but, while you're looking that up. Um, mm-hmm. one, na- one name I would keep an eye on, speaking of Eric Lemony, is Mike Kapka. I think I mentioned him last week, who is the quarterbacks coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. So he's been working with Patrick Mahomes almost exclusively since he's been in the draft, since he came from the draft. Um, Matt LaFleur is from his coaching tree. Okay. Um, I don't know if bringing a quarterbacks coach though to a coordinator spot smart though. Gary Kubiak? I could work. Kubiak won a Super Bowl, yeah. But he's hmm. too, Sha- his health is. And- Sean McVay? McVay, yep. Rams. Um, Anthony Lynn was on his coaching tree. Um. <laughs> Kevin Stavansky of the Browns is mm. um, <laughs> Arthur Smith, who replaced Matt LaFour on the Titans is. And then Mike LaFour, the brother of Matt, okay. is on the tree. So he has an impressive tree, too. All right. Well, then another offensive coordinator, another name for offensive coordinator that I have my mind on. And I think Zach might have mentioned this last week. Uh, Mike McDaniels, the San Francisco 49ers offensive coordinator. He's apparently a brilliant mind, comes from the Kyle, Sh- com- comes from the Shanahan tree. And he's just, I mean, they haven't done a whole lot, but there's a lot going around that if we were to hire him as offensive coordinator and he does really well for us in his first year, he could be hired off from us. So I feel like that's another Josh McDaniels, though, where he's really good with X's and O's. Can he lead? True. That uh, that would in like the 49. I don't want to dig on the 49 because I was rooting for them with the Rams, even though I was sad that rooting for them and Trevor couldn't go right. to the playoffs. But I'm not that impressed with the 49ers offense either, though. Like yeah. I think their Rams game was probably one of their best ones, uh. So. Right. I often like, so if, if it works in the playoffs, they go in the playoffs and they continue to do that. Maybe he would be more interesting right now, but right now, I, again, I'll probably look more towards the Packers guy right now. Right. Rather than the 49, but yeah, I think, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at this 49ers Cowboys game and just like, see how yeah. well he does. If see, like, this will be his chance, like to convince maybe a couple Broncos country fans that hey maybe this guy could be something that could be a name to keep an eye out for yeah but we'll see um I did write down the ownership as our next talking point but I figure we already talked a little bit of that in between our coaching things so did you guys have any final thoughts on either coaching or finding a new owner find a new owner soon 
I think you I think it would be bad if we got coaches first and then an owner. I think that would be really bad. So yeah. find an owner soon so we can actually start talking more about coaching. Right. I mean, on a side note, it was really interesting that Kaiser had the first right of refusal still. Uh-huh. And that that was the agreement between him and Bolin. Right. As if Bolin was going to sell the Broncos and Kaiser got to still choose, even though he no longer owned them. Um, so I don't know, really know Kaiser's history, but it's interesting that when he died, they set up an LLC called First Right of Refusal to continue to hold it. That is interesting. Like that was some interesting luring. We're like, well, yes, he's dead. But, he, you know, because if you set up an LLC or because LLCs usually die with the because LLCs are sole ownerships. Mm-hmm. And the, so if the owner dies, they die. So right. his trust got to set up an LLC to keep a first right of refusal. So it was interesting when the judge came back and said, no, a first right of refusal is between two people. These people are dead. There's nothing between them. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that my goodness, the legal mind yep. that came up with let's create an LLC that lives on past the ownership. It's freaking genius. Is yes. It's wild. Freaking, that's like a game changer. <laughs> well, well, this is what like like I say, Sam Bradford, as much as I love him because he was a sooner. I don't I don't really need to ever meet Sam Bradford. I would like to meet his agent who kept getting him paid. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so this too, I want to meet the lawyer who figured out that you could somehow extend an LLC after the owners died to keep a right to a football team. Right. I need yeah, to talk- meet those people. <laughs> Sam Bradford and his injuries, and he would still get million dollar contracts. It's like, you basically get $10 million just to sit on the bench. Yeah. I was like, submit. And I wanted Sam Bradford to succeed a lot. Yeah. Uh, again, as the sooner, it, it sucks seeing that McCoy's been in longer than Bradford, even though McCoy's a backup, but still, it, it's like Saul in the wound of like, I really wanted Bradford. Uh, to I forgot the voice on the league. Yeah. Is it doing too well? Two isn't doing too well. Mayfield, you can argue one way or the other about. Um. Yeah. We haven't had a sooner come out and just wow. Yeah. Oh. Oh, let's hope that we can find that lawyer and that agency someday. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Those are people I need to start making friends with. But get to the last part of this podcast, and that is that the Broncos opponents have been finalized for 2022. We won't go into all the prediction things until season four, but our schedule looks like this. Of course, we have our six teams against our divisional rivals. We play all the teams in the AFC South, Texans and Colts at home. Jaguars and Titans on the road. And then we have played the AFC East last place team, which is so we get to play the New York Jets again. And then we get to play the Baltimore Ravens on the road. And then we get the NFC West Rams, Cardinals, 49ers, Seahawks. And then our 17th team is on the road against the Carolina Panthers. Oh. We're going to get stuck with a whole bunch of East Coast early games. 
Yeah, it looks like it. <laughs> more worry about just we hit Baltimore, and then after Baltimore, we just hit the Cardinals and Rams like that. Like, fuck. And we're on the road in Baltimore, so it's like the preparation, and then you just get sent out there to face these high-quality teams where hopefully at that point, whatever offense game plan we made is working, and we're like, okay, it can it can go forward and we can keep going, but if it's still looking struggling, it's just going to be another season where I'm like, I tune in to see us lose. Well, and if we play Baltimore at the right time of the year and the run game is strong, we have a chance because cold weather games, you run the ball more than you throw it. Uh Um, Yeah. I mean, until it comes out and we actually see, I mean, again, predictions are hard because we got to find an owner. (laughs) We got to find a coach. We got to find some coordinators. We got to figure out who's going to be our quarterback. So until yep. any of that happens, it's like, okay, we'll build the team. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of coordinators, did you hear that Tom McMahon has been interviewing for the Panthers and the Chargers special teams position as their coordinator? No. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how he got an interview. That's I, I, real, I mean, the, the hardest thing for me is your football portfolio is on film right so i don't know who watched our special teams the last five years and when that's what wow let's interview that guy now that's not always fair because i will say this i i did not understand hiring john fox right because the the season we hired him we had lost the most games in the nfl and so we hired the coach that had lost the second most games in the NFL. And I was like, really? That, that That's our improvement? So, and he did. It gets the other way around. I think he lost the most games and we lost the second most games. Okay. But still, that's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you watch film, you can pick things up that uh, this is, you know, like we blame Tom McMahon, we play Pat Shermer. We, you know, people blame uh, Melvin Gordon for the tackle and other people look at the film and go, no, you have to look at this part of the film. So, but I can't for the life of me figure out what's on that film that makes someone say, yeah, that's okay. That's good <laughs> enough. Yep. Because like, I don't think we've had a run back. Since we're we have- 50. Right. We haven't had a kickoff return for a touchdown since 2013. Punt return? Punt return, return is Super Bowl 50 with Norwood, punt right? Punt oh, no, but that wasn't even That was our longest. Yeah, that was our long. Yeah. Punt return I think you're in Holiday, right? No. Um, Deontay Spencer ran one back in 2020 against the Panthers. Oh. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, I did. We can't receive the ball. I, I they all, they did not look at how we receive a ball in special teams and go, yes, that's what we need. We need still to makes be me inside nervous. our two. Yeah, all the time. I get um, more nervous for punts than third downs because punts, I'm just like, please just don't muff it, dude. Like, we, we did all this. Just don't drop it right now. Um, I still say we need to ban number 11. We just need, we just yep. need, it, it just needs to be, no, no one wears that number. Right. 
I completely agree with that. <laughs> but, you know, he can interview again. I don't want anybody to be homeless and living in their car. <laughs> so I he, that. But you can be that bad and fired and still interviewing for jobs. Yeah. So at some point, your performance is on you and me being happy that your performance no longer is going to affect my team isn't me rooting for for someone to to lose their job and all their income and all their worldly possessions yeah <laughs> just we just we just don't want you here right <laughs> all right i think that's all we have for today you guys have any not to mention a lot of coaches are past the age of normal retirement like their ssi can kick <laughs> in come on <laughs> you guys are fun I was about to ask her final thoughts, and I see we have one. Here. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's hard being a Bronco fan. Um, it's been hard my entire life because you know we lose Super Bowls gloriously. Um, we seem to set every bad record there is. It just seems like oh, the team that's got, you know that meme breaks my heart that's come out of the the every team's last Super Bowl appearance and ours is 2015. And then the oh. only, the only other team behind us is the Jets that haven't made a Super Bowl appearance since 2010. Yeah. Oh, I think it's playoff appearance. Playoff. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, playoff appearance. yeah. Like there's two or yeah. three teams behind us and everyone else is. Yeah. Ahead. Yeah. Um, realization that the lions made the playoffs more recently than we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I picked this team on that fateful or well, I hate to I hate to word it that that way. Um way back when <laughs> I made a decision that day and I you know, I I'm, I'm going to die with them. So, I didn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> they they must succeed cuz I I cannot go anywhere else. So. <laughs> I'm kind of sitting there like, please win so I can be happy. <laughs> well, hopefully everything starts falling into place and we start seeing the lights that is the playoffs once again. And this isn't the worst stretch. I mean, it's the worst stretch the Broncos have had and win and loss and not making the playoffs. But there were a lot of years we were 8-8. Eight eight. Like, there, there's been... Yeah long stretches where we may have won more games than we lost, but it's not like we are a real successful team. Uh So it's just this new age of you have to win. You have to win all the time. You have to be in contention all the time. That's a new inpatient kind of new generation thing that gets pushed. Because like I said, you can go look at the quarterbacks between Elway and Cutler and this this little five year period is nothing nothing like that, right? I mean, it got so bad that the Mike Shanahan considered having two quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I remember running, that running them in and out. That's how bad it was. That the Mike Shanahan went against everything that he held true and said, "Fine, I'll just fill them both." Because it. Yeah, and don't forget, <laughs> don't forget between 06 and like 2011 when we were dealt with the ending of the Shanahan with the multiple seven and eight, no, eight and no, nine and seven, seven and nine, eight and eight. 
And then just the fact that we're so close to the playoffs and then it just completely blew up on our face. And then we were led into that with the probably the worst year and a half stretch, at least in my, since I've been a fan within the Josh McDaniels era, that was terrible. So again, I don't want an offensive coordinator, a head coach, or a quarterback that just won't lose me the game. I need people that come in and win football games. <laughs> play to win the game, right? Bring in you play to win the game. <laughs> I would rehire Tebow so fast as a coach for fourth quarter. All I would do, I'd be like, hey, Tebow, come here. It's fourth quarter. There's five minutes left. What do we do? And he tells you what to do, and you just win the game. I swear. <laughs> I still die on that hill that I think Tebow would it not have been better than Manning, but if he would have just stayed underneath Manning and then after Manning retired still played for us, I think Tebow would have been great. My opinion. But Tebow said he's a starter and no. He just failed in other systems. But I still die on that hill where Tebow could win us games. So where people look at me and like, which quarterback would you rather have? Obviously, it's Trevor Simeon now because Tebow's too old. But it, for a while, it's like, just bring Tebow back. Right. Bring him back. You can win in fourth quarter. I don't care. All he does happens. is win. Yeah. That's all, that's all I care. <laughs> don't get me wrong. It it hurt. It hurt watching like the constant thudding in your chest of like it's fourth quarter and we need this point and he would do it. It hurt to watch. It was very scary, but we won. And then we won a playoff game against a overloaded Pittsburgh team that we had no More business. playoff games than Derek Carr. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I think it's just Broncos country's impatient of we want a quarterback that's good now, and I, I don't think they'll get that. We were spoiled we by Peyton Manning. That's all I'm yeah, going to say. And John Elway. Yep, and John Elway. Yeah, yep, Kelly's era there. Y'all were spoiled. <laughs> You know, I'm fine with the Cutlers and the Tebows. That's who I was for. (laughs) I was fine with my Cutlers and Tebows and my Trevor Simeon. You know, like I said this on Twitter, because they someone tweeted the 35 year anniversary of the drive Mm -hmm. where John O.A. started on the two in Cleveland in the wild card game and drove the 98 yards to win the game. You just you could just always believe. And it's sad when I watch now and go. Oh, 10 points. We're done. There's no belief. Yeah. Um, there's just, there's no belief. And that's, I mean, just, I, you could all, and Elway didn't always do it. Elway lost a lot of games. It's not like Elway won every game. And, but, but the fact that Warren Moon said, if there's more than two minutes and I'm not ahead by three touchdowns, I know I'm losing against Elway. So that, that <laughs> belief that you could have, that oh oh we're still in it you play you play to win the game you play till double zero yep i mean there's games i'm like i don't even know why we show up why don't we just take the l and stay home well that's what you and zach said last week so <laughs> and what good did it do we still lost <laughs> you got we, we could have won up. it we got all our hopes <laughs> up where i was gonna have to come and go oh my goodness we actually won and to what to to kill it to kill it. Controversial opinion. Bring Trevor <laughs> back. 
I stand I, by I, that I, too still. I mean, I think Trevor is a free agent this year, so. I'll bring him back right now. <laughs> I, w- I would scream it at Bro- the stadium and hope the workers hear me. I don't care if it's just the janitor. Bring Trevor back. That's me. Because even on the stage, he didn't do bad. Like, huh. a lot of people say, no, Taysom Hill was okay whatever you have your belief but he went out and like he got like two touchdowns and like 180 plus yards and like zero interceptions and people were blaming him i'm like what mm-hmm. how does that make sense it's trevor Se- i don't think trevor Seaman's going to be great i think that that time is bad but i would rather have trevor right now in my opinion that's just also because i'm a diehard trevor Simeon fan though mm-hmm. but yeah let him learn behind. Let Drew learn behind Trevor. Be underappreciated by the Broncos country. That's how I see it. Because everyone was chanting Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch sucked. They all chanted for Kirk Cousins or whoever we brought in. Or Case Keenum, my bad. Yeah, Case Keenum. It sucked. And I was like, really? You guys wanted these people over Trevor? Really? Trevor could get us to seven and nine. So, you know, maybe maybe we could have went eight and ten this season if we had him. Who knows? <laughs> maybe he could have won that Chiefs game. <laughs> Possibly. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think well, let me make sure any more final thoughts. <laughs> All right. Well, then Leo want to thank you so much for joining us on the Incomplete podcast. Oh, uh, no fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's something for me to rant to because I don't use Twitter anymore like that. I gave yeah. up. I gave up on Broncos. They were so annoying me with all this. And I would tell them what would happen. And then they would say, no, it wouldn't. And then it would happen. I'm like, where's your response now? I'll watch games and be like, watch, they're going to do this. And then they do it. And then silence from Broncos country. I'm like, see? It's usually how it goes. <laughs> they're proven wrong. And then they're dead silent. Silent, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, in that case, I would say if you'd like to share your social media, but I'm assuming you do not have any social media at this point. I mean, I have a Snapchat. You want to hit me up on Snapchat? Sure. I don't know if anyone uses that, though, but if you want more crazy rants from me, I'll start. Po- if people actually start following, I'll post recordings of me like mid game and being like, watch, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm going to zoom in and be like, see, told you. And uh, it's Leo, then underscore C, then three threes. So three, three, three. Nice. Pretty easy. So <laughs> that, that's about it. And that's all I got for social media. So that works. Yep. All right, Kelly. Or, uh, would you like to do uh, the outro? You can, you can always <laughs> find me at I Live to Leave on Twitter. <laughs> you can find me at TieFlyGuy15 on Twitter, even though I, I think I mentioned this on Twitter. I'm contemplating just hard resetting on it just to clear out so tie flag at the team may not exist a little bit but we'll keep you informed <laughs> um you can find us both at the same time in underscore com underscore pleat underscore two because there's two of us Questions, comments, concerns, challenge flag, song requests. You can email us at in underscore com underscore pleats at outlook.com. With that said, not sure 
when our next episode's going to be because Kelly is now into the student teaching phase. And so we're just going to play it by ear just whenever, whenever we can get together, we'll get together. I'll try to do some things on Twitter here and there, but other than that. It's our off season. Yeah. You'll hear from us. (laughs) It's a boring time. Yes. It's the boring time. Yep. But we will be back next season. Yes. Someone, (laughs) someone interviewed for coach. They are now the front runner. (laughs) No, not those kind of podcasts. (laughs) Maybe, maybe wait until we actually have ownership and a head coach before we come back. Yeah. You know, but we should, we'll probably do a draft episode and maybe a free episode. Maybe. So, you know, um, you know, just like, you know, we do this every off season where we go, okay, we need a break. It's the off season. And we pop up about once a month and, and have something to say. Yep. So meanwhile, you can keep sending me all your crazy stuff on Twitter. <laughs> but until next season or whenever we're next. Go Broncos. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Incomplete Podcast. Tune in next time for more Broncos news from two of your favorite fans. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share the podcast with your friends and family. Go Broncos!